Welcome to Women Talking Soccer. I'm your host, Carrie Taylor. The goal of this podcast is to amplify the voices of all women who love the beautiful game. Whether you're on the field, cheering from the stands, work in the business, want to be in the business, or are a passionate change maker, your voice is important. This podcast is presented by Women in Soccer. Women in Soccer is a network of women and allies involved in our favorite sport. You can join Women in Soccer for free online at womeninsoccer.org. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Women Talking Soccer. Uh, super excited to have Matthew Barrett on the show today, and Matthew's in England, so there's a little bit of a time difference, so I really appreciate you accommodating um, us, and yeah, I'm super excited to to get to chat with you today, so can you kind of give the listeners a little bit about like who you are and just a little background on, you know, what you've done and, and why you love the beautiful game. Thank you very much, Carrie. A pleasure to be here speaking to you. Uh, my name is Matthew Barrett. I'm the founder of GoalClick. GoalClick is a global football storytelling platform. What that actually means is that we find people from all over the world and we ask them to tell their own stories about their lives and their football communities, all using, well, their own perspective. Uh, and this is really an exercise in um, giving a platform, giving the power, control and freedom to the people to tell their own story rather than have someone come in and tell it for them. So, yeah, we work with people all around the world, um, male and female, but predominantly female. Um, from the most marginalized communities right up through the grassroots um, fan culture and into the elite side of the game and all with uh, disposable analog cameras at the heart of what we do um, as well as their kind of own words so yeah that is um that is who I am what we do uh, and ultimately you know we're trying to help people understand one another in the world through the common language of football in this beautiful game yeah that's um in, you know, getting to know who you are, I was on the website and I, I'd found myself just like scrolling through all the beautiful pictures and it's just amazing. So how, how do you get connected with, with these athletes um, and, you know, allow them to tell their stories? Can you, can you talk about maybe how that process works? For sure. It's, um, it's a variety of different ways. So GoalClick started off as actually a crazy idea uh, in 2014 and we originally started it as a, a crowdsourced project so anyone could apply from anywhere around the world and if we wanted to send them a camera uh, we would do so we, we started off in Sierra Leone in India in Iraq and the photos and the pictures came back and were breathtaking and the stories that accompanied them were equally powerful um, in fact I sometimes think that without the words behind them, the photos wouldn't be quite as powerful as, as they are. Over the years, it's changed a little bit in the sense that we now go out hunting a little bit more for the types of stories that we want. The Gold Click Network has just become huge and vast in pretty much every country in the world. And something I often joke about is don't look at my WhatsApp thread, especially if you're if you're uh, a member of the authorities, because it's full of um, countries which might raise some flags. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, 
ultimately we're uh, we're looking for inspirational people or people with an interesting perspective on the world depending on the environment that they come from um and so there's an element of crowdsourcing there's an element of us seeking out specific stories but also increasingly and i'll talk a little bit more about this i'm sure as we as we proceed we're now also creating deeper bigger storytelling series where we focus on a very specific theme or subject matter and in that sense we work with partners to try and find the right kind of storytellers for those projects yeah so i know um that you've partnered and have been working with football for the world and monica and um doing some some connections in jamaica and you know with hopefully i can help with that a little bit and get some some really cool stories uh with the with the reggae girls and i know that that's a work in progress because we haven't been having any camps because of covid but can you talk about like maybe how you got connected with football for the world and what you're doing um with monica and her team Yeah, Football for the World and yourself are a great example of that network in action. And actually, it kind of comes on to also where we know women in soccer from. I think the Women's World Cup in 2019 was such a moment for all of these wonderful people around the world coming together and meeting in person for the first time in an event. And I think it was the right moment for us all to meet, clearly. Um, I met Monica and therefore Football for the World in, in France. I met um, Rachel and Courtney from Women's Soccer in France. And it's a great example of where that network leads us because ultimately we're just looking for great people and great organizations and then getting out the way and giving them that platform and that ability to tell their own story. We're not interested in coming in and telling them for them. So when we connect with organizations like that, um, we're open. <laughs> we just want to get into the heart of that team or that community. And we want to let them tell their story in their own words and through their own eyes. So, yeah, it's a really great example of actually, you know, take out the theory. That's the practice, meeting great people and then going down the rabbit hole and quite often a lot of our stories are three, four, five, six steps removed from the initial interaction mm -hmm. as we get passed on and passed on and passed on and often into, you know, obviously non-English speakers, um, you know, we really get into the heart of the community to find the right people that can tell this story. Yeah, you you um, mentioned meeting Courtney, the, the founder of Women in Soccer and and Rachel as well at the, at the Women's World Cup in 2019. Um, so how did that, you know, initial meeting get you connected and, and want to, you know, inspire you to get involved with the, the women in soccer organization and why, why is it important for male allies to actually support women in the game, not only in the US, but in England and all across the world and every country? That's a, a big and it's a long big, question. Big, question, um, big question. No. I, I know, also, I meant long, not in terms of how long the question was, but how long the answer could be. Um, so, first of all, I think that GoldClick has developed a bit of a sixth sense for knowing when people are going to be great collaborators mm -hmm. and when they're going to see things through, you know, 
people are people human beings can either be reliable or unreliable right I think I knew from the very moment that we met Courtney and Rachel and everyone connected with women in soccer that this was not a fanciful idea (laughs) this was something that was going to be seen through and done properly so it's actually been a very easy path to us coming on board as a a founding ally founding partner um I think what I've learned in my time having found a gold click is to trust that good people will lead to good outcomes Mm -hmm. um and there might be someone organization who you think is you know might be the best look for your business to be associated with but actually I think it's far more important to know that the people you're working with are reliable and have good intentions and that's something that I genuinely believe about and Rachel Courtney and and the whole women in soccer team Um, in terms of the male ally element um, I mean it seems obvious when when you think about it that many of us have certain advantages by where we were born um, the jobs we've had the networks that we are part of that allows us to be in certain rooms and have certain platforms that are not immediately accessible to all people mm-hmm. um personally i feel that i'm a little bit of a chameleon in that i'm equally comfortable uh in a room where i'm the only male which happens a lot um as a room when i'm one of you know completely you know a group of people which all looks and feels the same and I, it's it's on us who are in those rooms to bring others into those conversations. Um, Gold Click has always been an organisation that pushes forward the underdog, right? And, and it's also an organisation. Sorry, go on. No, I was just saying that uniting force of connecting with people that are of all different races and all different religions and all different socioeconomic levels and all of that. Totally. It is um, completely the heartbeat of what we do is giving a voice to unheard, overlooked, silenced voices, whether they be refugees, whether they be people in conflict zones, whether they be women breaking barriers around the world. And we have just naturally and actually quite deliberately pivoted into the women's game and about two-thirds of our stories come from a a female lens and that is one because the stories are generally more interesting and more compelling because there have been bigger challenges and bigger barriers in the way but also as a result of that women tend to be better storytellers because because they have had to often work a lot harder to get to where they they are in the world so it's really quite easy and obvious for us to be working in this way and to be a male ally like if that that makes us a male ally brilliant it's um it's not something we do for you know to score points it it benefits us and i think it benefits the whole world to have more voices more diversity and more perspectives so i I tend not to see it as something that groundbreaking i know from the outside it might seem like that but it just feels so normal and natural why wouldn't we do this. Right. I think it's, you know, from, from my female perspective, I think it's more about, um, 
more men being intentional about who they get opinions from or who they hire or who they look at across the board. Um, and, and a lot of times it's th that kind of unconscious bias that a lot of people have. And until, you know, a male ally like yourself says, Hey, have you thought about like including women in soccer or including so-and-so in, in this conversation, a lot of times people are like, Oh, like I never even thought of that. So, you know, I, I definitely, we definitely appreciate, um, your mentality and where you're coming from of like, yeah, why not? Like, let's, let's be inclusive to everyone. And so, you know, that's, that's one thing that, that with women in soccer, we, we don't want to come across as being anti-male at all. Like that's not our intention. And I think sometimes women's groups get branded of, oh, they're anti-male and that's not anything that, that we ever want to, to put out there. So, um, you know, that allyship conversation is, is really important. I think it's just also making things natural and almost, I use the word sometimes stealth-like when, uh, when talking about the work we do. We know that a lot of issues, whether they be of social justice or of, um, you know, refugee issues, gender equality issues, basically hearing the voices of those who are more marginalised, um, we know that those are often not priorities for lots of people. I think, I think everyone actually does care about those issues, but they might not necessarily be priorities. Mm -hmm. I think what football does and what storytelling of football does is it kind of brings people into the house almost without them realizing it. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're kind of hooked into an issue, um, you know, almost subconsciously. And I guess we're quite intentional about that. We're quite intentional about making uh, other people's consumption of these issues, you know, just quite natural and organic. We're not trying to say to people, you need to care about these issues. But once they can like learning about someone's life and learning about someone's culture through a photo, through a story, they're just gonna care more. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm quite taken with this idea of almost allyship and education almost by stealth like not everyone is going to be able to be pushed into it and mm -hmm. sometimes you just got to kind of lead them there without yeah. Them realizing it yeah no that's a that's a good point like the that organic or organic organic piece of it like it a lot of times it can't be forced it has to just you know happen and and that's the one thing that you know for me football soccer it just unites people, you know, in, in traveling, I've gotten into taxis in the middle of Zimbabwe and, and like been nervous. And all of a sudden I look in the taxi driver's window and there's a Barcelona sticker and I'm like, Oh, you support Barcelona. You know, it's like that genuine connection between humans that just no matter what it's, it's out there and it's, you could live wherever you could come from wealth, you could come from poverty. And that minute you share that common um, story of football, soccer, you just form a relationship almost right away, at least in my experiences. Can, can I offer a, a build upon that opinion? Sure. Um, which is something I, I, I definitely believe in. So I'm 
in agreement with you that on a local level and on a personal one-to-one level, football is great at uniting people and breaking down the barrier and, you know, bringing people together at that level. I don't subscribe to the notion of football being this grand unifier necessarily on a global basis and kind of solving problems just by existing. I kind of call it the Kumar slash set blatter approach to football, which was give people a football and everything will be wonderful and it will solve wars. I actually don't subscribe to football as this grand unifier. I do on a local level with the stories that you told there, but not on a on a on a kind of macro level. What I see football as is a common language which allows you to understand someone and their differences or maybe all their similarities and where they're coming from and the environment they're in and their troubles in a way that very few other things could. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean you're all going to be friends and you're all going to like unify around a, a common goal. But I think it does at least give an understanding and an empathy towards where someone's coming from. Yeah, all, all very good points. And I, I definitely agree with you on the macro level there. <laughs> like there's, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to go down that road. So Matthew, um, just what are your, what are your hopes for the game of football for specifically for women, um, in the next, like, you know, three years, what be it through, you know, goal click, be it through on, uh, a community level, be it on, you know, the world cup level, like what, what are some of your hopes? So one hope of mine is that we don't leave certain countries behind. I think that the strides that many of the top countries are making in the women's game are well-documented, well-known and, you know, is moving in the right direction. I do worry a little that um, smaller countries, um, because they won't be invested in as much, they'll become a huge gulf between the top 20 women's football nations and the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something that was quite apparent even in the World Cup is that certain teams got to the World Cup in 2019 and the, the differences in infrastructure and resources were vast Mm -hmm. and I worry that it it could become even worse so I'm heartened when I see countries like South Sudan um, investing in a women's league and a a women's strategy but the fact that I can point to a country like that so easily is because I think it's actually relatively rare Um, I don't think there's that many countries around the world outside of the top echelon of the game that are putting as much effort and as much resources into the game as they could. So I worry a bit about the golf and I would like to see um, the whole of the world rising up its women's football rather than just um, disproportionate focus on the top nations. Because we know that the great work that the US is doing and you know the rise of the WSL and what's going on in, in many European leagues. But, you know, when I talk to players that we've worked with from the Thai national team or the Jamaican national mm-hmm. team or the Argentinian um, national team, you know, there's a lot of support is needed to prevent that gap 
widening. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I would would like to see. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you bring up good points, you know, like FIFA's giving money to invest in women's football, but it, you know, you just can't throw money at it and be like, here you go. Like you have to have structure and it has to be intentional and you have to hire the right people. Otherwise it's wasted money, um, you know, for up and coming so, nations. So, you know, over here within I was just going to say over here within CONCACAF, like Karina LeBlanc is doing great work and there's a lot of, um, a lot of positive things happening, getting more female coaches licensed and, and just a lot of investment, which is great. But, you know, to your point, it, it can't, it can't just be a one-off. It can't just be, you know, right after a world cup, it, it has to be the long game and, and very intentional. I think CONCACAF is a is a really good example right now of, of things being done in the right way and especially with the um the work that obviously you're doing and that um kind of is going on all across the the region i feel like CONCACAF is in quite a healthy place i know that there are other there are, there are other confederations where there are countries where sadly there is not that level of um governance mm -hmm. and of accountability um and seeing where the money goes whilst it might look like there's been a doubling of money in a in a in a, in a country what actually then is finally spent mm -hmm. on the woman setup is a fraction of what it could be um and you know this isn't just one or two countries this is a a, a global issue so yeah. um yeah for sure. So I'm going to kind of start wrapping up here. So I know we, we talked earlier about um, maybe a favorite quote or something that, you know, like a mantra that you have that, that you apply to your life or, or, you know, something you read periodically when you, when you need like some energizing. So can you share maybe a, a favorite it, and it doesn't have to be perfect. You can, you can ad lib it a little bit, but, but maybe share a, a favorite quote with our listeners. You know what's so funny? I often do write down quotes that I that I hear and like try and remember them, and I, I never ever do. Um, so I hope this bit goes edited. <laughs> That's totally fine. <laughs> um, so I think something that. Um, something that I definitely have started to tell myself a little bit more, and it stems from the well-used quote of don't let perfect get in the way of good. Mm -hmm. And I think that I see a lot of times, and this isn't just in business, this can be in all things, people are paralyzed by not having everything worked out to start with. Mm -hmm. um, so, one of my mantras is, you know, just spend five minutes on something, just start. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is, I guess, related to um, this idea of like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be all worked out. It can be good enough to begin. Um, so yeah, that's something that I often, often try and remember um, that it's better to do something, <laughs> even if it's not fully fleshed out, than to sit and wait for it to be a complete vision. 
Yeah, no, that's great advice. And, and, um, I'm actually reading a book and there, it, it ties into exactly what you said. It, it, they basically said, push the button. Like if you have an idea, push the button and go for it. If you, if you want to do something, just push the button because if it doesn't work, oh, well, but if it works, like you would have never known if you didn't push the button. So like it, you know, definitely that's something that I try to remember is like, even with this podcast, it's like, Hey, who knows? I might suck at it, but just push the button and try it and, and enjoy it and have fun. And I get to talk to cool, cool people and, and, you know, make new friends and, and hopefully, you know, people are listening and get tidbits from all the, all the, you know, great people that, that we have on the show. But yeah, I, I like that. Just, I like exactly what you said. It's really important for people to, to kind of try to live their life that way. All right. Favorite book, any good book recommendations for our listeners? It's funny. I have asked, you're my fourth, I think 14th guest. Not one person has duplicated a book. So the pressure's on. <laughs> well, well, I'm definitely not going to duplicate. And that is because a uncomfortable truth is that I don't read books. Oh, okay. Um, I, 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 but I listen to a lot of podcasts. Okay. I consume all my knowledge through audio means. Okay. So, favorite um, podcast. I definitely recommend favorite podcasts. I'd be much happier doing that. Um, so I really, really love Snap Judgment. Okay. Um, and I raise that because I think it's very on point with also what we've been talking about today. Um, it is kind of countercultural first person perspective storytelling. Okay. Um, and it's stories that you wouldn't expect to hear. Um, and it always surprises me um, kind of what subjects they cover from you know, suicide in Inuit communities to um, special forces in the Middle East to spies to Mormon polygamy. It's all of the things that we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. about how um, communities and people that don't necessarily have their voices heard and represented. Um, and so, yeah, that, that really speaks to me um, for the same reason that, you know, we work with you know, women and girls from many communities around the world um, that don't get their voices heard. So yeah, that would be a, a recommendation of, of mine. Oh, great. Thank you. I wrote it down. I'm going to have to check it out because I, I I hadn't heard of it. I kind of, and I'm adding to my question list, book or podcast, because you were the first person to, to not answer a book, but see, I learned something and not everyone consumes information the same way or learns the same way. So thank you for that. Um, that that's awesome. So snap judgment. I'm going I'm to check I'm that a, out. I, I'm an audio, I'm an audio person like okay. I, and I've, I've really dived into club i've really dived into clubhouse as a result mm-hmm. um i've always been uh yeah audio first <laughs> no that's great that's great so last uh little summary any advice for people out there maybe about following their dreams or to you know what just advice to impact some young people or some people that maybe just want to change careers or want to get involved in, in football, like the floor is yours, basically. 
okay, go with me on this. Absolutely. Um, so I um, definitely have a slight um, issue at the moment around the term imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think I don't think it's very constructive. Um, I think it's actually um, you know being used um, to maybe sell self help more than actually you know uh, help um, the the real issues that surround um, issues of self doubt, issues of um, you know failure, all things which are like totally valid. Um, the reason why I kind of dislike the term is because I believe we are all constantly growing and learning and no one ever has it worked out. Mm-hmm. If anyone ever tells you they know what they're doing and they know how they succeeded, they're lying. <laughs> um, if anyone ever says that uh, there are, you know, this genius cult of a founder is like really damaging and it's usually perpetu- perpetuated by, by, by white men in the Western world. Um, <laughs> again, it, it doesn't exist. Most people who succeeded failed loads and loads of times before they um, before they succeeded. And you should always be in a state of growing and learning and developing and failing and um, having self-doubt and learning to overcome it. The idea that there's a difference between being an imposter or being someone who should be there, I think is a false narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that might seem a little bit meta and a little bit picking at straws, but I would just implore people if they're ever feeling like they're using that term to actually frame it with what you actually mean. You know, do you have self-doubt? Are you afraid of failing? Do you think that you need new skills in order to succeed at what you do? That is, those are great questions to ask yourself. To start thinking in terms of being an imposter, I think creates a dichotomy that is not useful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is my me getting off my soapbox now. I hope that made sense. No, that is, that's fantastic, and and thank you for sharing that. And and you know, you you bring up a good point. Like a lot of times, there's these buzzwords that get thrown out, and people attach to them, and everyone's like, yeah, 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 like that's me, or you know, I I believe in that. And it's just, you know, we're all humans. We're all going to succeed. We're all going to fail. We're all going to feel lack confidence at some times. And that's life, you know, and connecting with people and learning from each other and sharing successes and failures. Like that's, that's life too. So, well, Matthew, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to tie it back to football and tie it back to women and girls in football. Yeah, go um, for it. So I have been incredibly impressed with the women and girls, particularly from refugee communities who have been part of the Gold Click project. We're doing a project with the UN called Gold Click Refugees, um, where we get refugees, asylum seekers, internally displaced persons to tell the story of their lives through football, in refugee camps, in new host communities, or making us professional players. And it's amazing how many barriers are in the way of these girls from playing. Like, not only are they female, mm-hmm. not only do they come from a part of the world where social and cultural, it's not as acceptable to play, not only have they been displaced, 
not only are they in a new community, like all the things that you would expect to like rule them out of playing, mm-hmm. they play and they have courage in the face of so many reasons that they could stop playing. Now, I'm sure they suffer from a lot of um, doubt and a lot of challenges to them feeling like they belong. Mm-hmm. But you cannot like <laughs> say that, you know, they're imposters. You know, they deserve to be there. They mm-hmm. should be there and they're developing. And so, yeah, I, I, I often think that, you know, if anyone was going to say, I feel like an imposter, it should be them, but right. they don't. And I yeah. think that should ins- inspire us to say, we should be able to overcome and grow and learn in any way, no matter what our circumstances. If these girls from Afghanistan, Syria, you know, um, Democratic Republic of Congo can mm-hmm. overcome, then we all can and we can all belong. So yeah, yeah that's just my my final piece to relate it to the kind of things that we've been speaking about. Yeah, well, I'm gonna leave it at that because you summarized that just perfectly. And, you know, Matthew, again, thank you for your time. Thank you for telling the stories of girls, boys, men, women from every country across uh, our great world uh, through football. And, and, you know, thanks for being an ally to women. And yeah, hopefully one day I get to meet you face to face at the women in soccer you know, vir- not, not virtual event, in-person event that we're planning on having someday soon. Um, but yeah, thank you for your time. Really appreciate you. And yeah, good luck in, in uh, all you're doing. Thank you very much, Carrie. It's been a total pleasure. And um, yeah, also, I guess a, a one last shout out, you know, we're always looking for collaborators. And if anyone feels that um, there's a story that hasn't yet been told and would like to help uh tell it with gold click we'd, we'd love to hear from people so um yeah i appreciate you i appreciate women's soccer and uh been lovely talking thank you <laughs>